winning season has officially returned. And with NFL Preseason Live, there are plenty of opportunities to win at MyBookie. Whether you're a seasoned better or a first-timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks. To claim your bonus, sign up and use promo code ZABE on your first deposit, and you'll instantly double your money with MyBookie. It's simple. 250 puts $500 in your account, and you can use your funds to bet on as many individual games, contests, or props as you want. Bet on team win totals. Predict the Super Bowl winner. Use the MyBookie Prop Builder to give yourself the edge you need to secure the bag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule. So you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, it's just you and me, baby. Solo show, and I've got a stack of material so high a show dog couldn't jump over it, as my dad likes to say. From the Cowboys' sudden move to DEFCON 1 with a DAC injury, to the new rules coming in baseball, and a whole lot more that might not even be sports. Your 30-minute Zabe Express is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Tuesday, September 13, 2022, I feel like Sally Field at the Oscars today. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. You like me. Thank you, indeed. I have gotten a lot of feedback from people saying, you know, Zabe, I love your solo shows. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, all right then, you like me, I'll do more of these, or at least one a week is probably what I should do. And I have even toyed with, although I'm not sure I'm there yet, I've toyed with the notion of once a week, Zabe does no sports, nothing can't even be tangentially related to sports, Zabecast. If you would like to hear that, let me know. In the meantime, thank you for the positive feedback. And speaking of feedback, I could use a little bit more feedback from you people. Who you call you people? All right, that's uh, Tropic Thunder, Robert Downey Jr. Check it out. So I have changed, you may have noticed this, the presentation of the titles of these podcasts 
and of the cover art, as they call it, for each particular episode. Previously, I had been seeking out a unique little photograph, and I have been labeling each podcast with a something about one of the main points of the podcast. And I found it to be too time consuming. And more importantly, I found that many days I would say to myself, okay, I'm going to label this podcast as, you know, um, Peyton Manning's Manning cast goes to the next level. And I'll include a picture of Peyton and Eli, who by the way are on right now, as I sit here and glance over at Monday night football And I'll listen to the podcast and I'll realize, okay, we talked about it for five minutes. And then we went on, whoever my guest was that day, and we talked about uh, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way, did I say that right? A, B, C, D, E, F. We talked about a bunch of other stuff. So it's almost not accurate to be labeling and to be positioning each podcast as about a certain thing. I also always wonder, with every picture I post, with every title that I write, I think, how many people are glancing at it going, nah, it's about baseball. Don't want it. Or whatever you don't like. Maybe college football, who knows. Then I thought, well, I should just label it the day and the date. It's me. It's your boy, El Baldo. It's the Zabecast. It's 30 minutes of no bullshit, straight uncensored, additional content from yours truly, mostly free except for Friday's. Thank you, subscribers. More on that in a second. And the only reason before I had been putting labels on it was I talked with my podcast marketing guru, Chris Broussard, and he said, well, if you name them something different, if there's different photos, it could help people remember, oh, yeah, I listened to that one already. I can move on to the next one. And I said, but now the way podcast software works, it'll tell you exactly which episodes you have listened to. It'll pick up right where you left off. At least that's how I've found it because I'll go back and I'll pop back into the Office Ladies podcast and listen to them and I'll be like, where was I exactly? And I'll even hop around sometimes, which is also something you can do here on the Zabecast. You can hop around. You're not necessarily going to miss one thing if you skip ahead or go back. I think the shelf life on these podcasts are pretty decent. But who knows? So let me know if that affects anybody or if you're like, boo, I hate this new way. You got to go back and here's why. Just give me some feedback from you, the end user. Also, speaking of subscribing, somebody asked, can you gift this podcast subscription to a friend? And the answer to that is sadly, no, you cannot. That is not written into the Red Circle uh, platform software, probably for a lot of reasons. So you can get around it by sort of lateraling it to them somehow. And and my guy, Broussard will help out on this. However, I got this email from Clayton Crowell, who wanted to gift this podcast to a friend. He said, thank you very much. I did sign him up. I am paying for his podcast, but what would be a really nice gift for him would be a birthday shout-out from Zabe. If it's not too much to ask, of course. You're a big part of both of our lives. We listen daily and text each other about funny things you say or how spot-on all of your COVID takes are. I don't even take the subscribe for a year and get one month free deal when I signed up because I didn't want to short you. Well, thank you, my friend. 
Thanks for keeping us entertained for years, Abe. Looking forward to many more. Well, the birthday shout-out goes to Thomas Pugh. My man, Thomas Pugh, thank you very much for now being part of the true Zabe 1% Nation and enjoying that Friday podcast as well. Speaking of paying things, we all have a budget for stuff that we subscribe to. I'm in the process now of going back and saying, all right, this is getting out of control. I'm going to cancel this, cancel that, cancel this. But I'm going to use some of those canceled things to add other things that either add usefulness or joy to my life. And I can't believe I'm saying this, part because they're sort of a competitor for your ears, but I am going to resubscribe to Sirius XM Radio. I know, I know, you can get all those same songs if you just use any streaming music app, whether it's, you know, Apple Music or Spotify or Pandora, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'm still subscribed to Apple Music. Don't get me wrong. But I just found that kind of punching into the phone, making sure it's hooked up to my car and then not crashing or not you know being careful to do it while I'm stopped, it's too cumbersome. The beauty of SiriusXM is that you pop from one channel to another channel that has batches of music that just plays. The, the, the frictionless aspect of it is tremendous. So I'm going to resubscribe to that and it'll be money that I'll happy to be happy to pay. And I think they've got some deal where it's only like five bucks a month, at least for the first 12 months. And then of course they probably jack the rates to the moon and we'll figure out where to go from there. But when it comes to unsubscribing from stuff, and I think that unsubscribing from this podcast, if you pay for Fridays is pretty easy and pretty straightforward. If you ever have any problems, you can email me directly, zabedyahoo.com. I'll get you untangled right away. The king the undisputed goat of difficult to uncancel subscriptions has got to be the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel.com. This is part of like the Gannett newspaper group and their digital division. And you have to hunt under their questions section for the word cancel. It appears once. It says you can cancel by calling this number, phone number, or you can do it online via the account management section. So I go to the account management section, and of course, under billing and under payment info, it it shows a screen in which there's two circling, cycling things like, ooh, we're, we're thinking here, we're trying to load these modules on the page, just sit tight. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I let it go for five minutes. It's still going. I walk away from the computer. I finally come back and it gives me an error saying, these systems are busy right now. Check back later. Are you fucking shitting me? The systems are busy. <laughs> really? What, what systems? It's a web interface. Order something, cancel something. Everyone knows how to do it now. Okay, fine. I then finally get through and I start punching around in those two sections, the two logical sections that would say, hey, here's how you um, you know, can cancel your subscription. The word cancel doesn't appear anywhere. 
And I looked and I looked and I looked. I almost want to do a screen record video segment or video clip and then post it to go, look at this. Look at how ridiculous this is. But yeah, I've just decided that as much as I want to stay up on things in my new community, Milwaukee and Wisconsin, and there's some useful stories there, my God, the liberal bias from that newspaper is insane. As insane as any newspaper in the country, which are all left-leaning at worst for the most part, and some of them more hyper-liberal than others, I, I just can't take it anymore. I feel like I cannot reward them with whatever, how much per month I pay. And that's too bad because the sports guys that do a good job of covering the sports teams, you know, I don't want to punish them per se, but there's other ways to get your basic information about what's the injury status of Packer players X, Y, and Z, or give me some analysis, five takeaways from the game against the Vikings, et cetera, et cetera. All right, let's get to the sports. Yeah, I was hoping we would do that. Shut your face. This email is from Mike Van Scoy. Thank you, Mike. He says, regarding college football, first and foremost, thanks for the shout out to my alma mater, Marshall. We are Marshall. Still haven't seen the movie. I know it's an outrage. I still haven't seen, uh, remember the Titans start to finish. That's an outrage. It's a lot of movies that I've missed that not, I need to go back and sweep up, but you know, that sounds like a June thing of 2023 because we're on the sports roller coaster now. Nonstop content for nine months. Anyway, thanks for the shout out to my alma mater, Marshall, on their nice win at Notre Dame. Not, nice win. That is a posted on the wall with a buck knife type of win. Football, he says, on all levels continues to deliver. However, Monday's podcast also proves why Andy Poley shouldn't talk college football. His theory on why the upsets occur doesn't necessarily hold water. My theory of why the small schools, like my own, is a lot like yours. There are less distractions at that level and less money to be handed out. I've also felt like small school quarterbacks typically do better than expected in the pros because they have to throw to receivers who are playing against defenses that are as good or better than their offense. Ding, ding, ding. A USC quarterback throwing to an open receiver against Rice isn't going to necessarily translate to the pros. Yes, prime example would be one, Barkley, Matthew. He looked like, as a sophomore, the next hot shit thing to come out of Southern California. And then he stayed in another year. And then by the time he got pooped out into the pros, he was a fifth round pick for the Eagles. And I think he's still in the league. Maybe I think I, I read his name in the shameful list of backup quarterbacks around the league. Hold that thought. We're going to talk Cowboys in just a second. Anyway, he goes on to say, Where Andy missed the boat is that the small schools are also benefiting from the transfer portal. Yes, that's right. The small schools. Kids are moving from one big school to another, but more often they are transferring to smaller schools where they can play and get a couple of shots against the big guys and make a name for themselves. The adage in college basketball that smaller teams may perform better than bigger schools in the tournament because their kids stay longer doesn't neatly translate to football, at least for skilled positions on offense. For instance, the O-lines tend to stay together, but skilled positions transfer a lot. And I should add to this, 
I would say that skill positions are more plug and play. As an example, Marshall's quarterback is a first-year transfer from Texas Tech. The running back, who is not our starter, that ran for 163 against Notre Dame, is a Florida State transfer, so he's played Notre Dame before. App State's quarterback started at Clemson. He's the one who bailed them out against Syracuse a few years ago when they won another championship. He transferred to Duke and played a season and is now at App State. Georgia Southern's quarterback is a transfer from Buffalo. Basically, a lot of these skilled position kids on smaller schools are not intimidated by situations as much as they used to be because they've come from bigger programs and or they've already played in those spots. That is some good stuff right there that I had not considered myself. And while he's kind of taking a shot at Andy on this, eh. This is something that I should have probably known as a certified sports guy. I should know the names of these guys who are these transfers that are kicking ass at these smaller schools, but I don't. Anyway, by the way, all three of those teams play in the same division of the Sun Belt as a lifelong Marshall by, by, boy, I recall the days when I was in college of playing them as Southern Conference members. Why, why, yes, the Southern Conference. We are a gentlemanly conference, but we are not exactly the most robust of conferences. I agree with you that I think these games are here to stay. The rich will continue to get richer, but playing these schools now isn't the automatic win that it used to be. Kids 18 to 22 are hard enough to corral as it is with their short attention spans getting shorter every day, with the money and additional distractions, it's going to get even harder. I'm for the athlete having more leverage, especially when a fraud like Dabo rails against compensation while signing a long extension himself, but it will change the landscape dramatically. Football is back. Hallelujah. Mike Vanskoy. Thank you very much for that. So let's talk about the Cowboys, shall we? There's not much that Stephen A. Smith does that I like or respect. In fact, today he brought up once again the great activist hope, Colin Kaepernick, who just had a baby. Mazel, mazel, good things for Colin Kaepernick and his wife. Mazel, mazel, good things. He has not played in the league for five years, and yet Stephen A. Smith felt either the obligation or, this is the more perhaps devious thought, the producers at ESPN said, you got to invoke Kaepernick. You got to say, hey, maybe the Cowboys should bring Kaepernick in. He has not played in five years. I said in a poll question today on Twitter, when, when is the last year, calendar year, that ESPN talking heads will no longer bring up Colin Kaepernick as a possible replacement at quarterback for some team that just lost a guy? 2023, that'd be next year, because this year's burned. Stephen A. has already gone there, and probably a few other pundits. So is it 2023? Is it 2025, just to be safe? Is it 2033, when Kaepernick is due to be, I think, Tom Brady's age of 45? Or will it just be never? Probably never. Anyway, the one thing that Stephen A. Smith does that I got to say I get a chuckle out of um, is the Cowboys remix song. Uh, I think it's uh, the great uh, Mike Porter that did the remix. Yes. Accident Waiting to Happen is the name of this ditty. A mediocre team and Big D. (laughs) That's what makes this funny. 
Highlights of the Cowboys fucking up, as well as him wearing a black hat, a literal black cowboy hat. Leaning into that heel turn of goofing on the Cowboys. I don't even know if this is the original accident waiting to happen song. It might be another version of it, but... Oh, God, it couldn't have been a worse night for the Cowboys, given the fact that Dak Prescott is now hurt, out for at least six weeks, maybe eight, and they've got to scramble to say, can we really win games with Cooper Rush as our quarterback? I remember not so long ago, it was late August, just a few weeks ago, the Cowboys right at the deadline at the cut down to get to 53, the initial cut down, cut all their quarterbacks behind Dak Prescott. Now, they ended up scooping back up Cooper Rush because it's not like anybody was clamoring for him. And they figured, look, we're just going to go. We're going to cross our fingers and hope that Dak doesn't get hurt. This is how many teams operate in the NFL. And to me, it's insane. Because now the NFL is structured in a way in which if your starting quarterback goes down, not only do you feel like you got no shot at winning at all with a mediocre quarterback, In other words, the days of Jeff Hostetler bringing you to the mountaintop or Ken Anderson or Trent Dilfer, those are over. You got to go get a unicorn now. So the search for the unicorn is crazier than ever. The money is astronomical. The Ravens will find that out shortly. But when your quarterback goes down, you feel like that's it. We're fucked. We, We are like Bill Paxton in the movie Aliens. Game over, man. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. (laughs) And that's not how the league should be. You should feel like, okay, well, our starter's down, but we got a backup. He's pretty good. He's been in the league a little while. Um, We're gonna we're gonna change our you know our our attack. We're gonna run it more. We're gonna play better defense. We're gonna figure out a way. We're gonna put some duct tape and some bailing wire on this, and we're gonna figure it out. That 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 those days apparently don't exist. I have said for years, and maybe this is not feasible, that if the NFL cared about the quality of their backups in the league, they would mandate, mandate that every team carries three rostered quarterbacks, even create a 54th spot on the roster to carry that guy and say, you you have to have three guys in your system, in your meeting rooms practicing as much as he can practice, although I'm not sure how many reps you're going to get or decent live looks during the week, so that you just don't have complete scrubs. I mean, Cooper Rush is a complete scrub. Ben DiNucci, who started games, I think last year or two years ago, the years fly by, who has been on the roster, it completely stinks. Like, looks like this little shrimp. You're going, this guy should not be in the league. Nice kid, Ben DiNucci. DiNucci. So there's got to be more grizzled veteran guys willing to get paid a decent amount of money to hold a clipboard, to be ready to go, break glass in case of emergency, that your team won't completely shit down its leg if your starter's out for a few weeks. I'm looking at you, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who retired after a bad hip injury last year. 
We need more Mark Brunels, like the Mark Brunel who sat and collected some nice checks as a Jets backup at the tail end of his career. That's the kind of guy you need. You need a Doug Peterson at the tail end of his career. Just a grizzled old vet who knows how to get it done, at least can get a team in and out of the huddle. That's part of the you know, basics of it. But maybe my carry three guys automatically is impractical and it doesn't work and it won't work and it makes no sense. It's just my thought. The NFL has a crisis of you shouldn't feel like, fuck, our season's over. Our season's over. <laughs> our quarterback went down. We looked like shit before he went down. And now it's truly over. It shouldn't be that way because we spent all this time, all these months building up and getting excited for the upcoming season. But anyway, it's the Cowboys, so fuck them. Like, I really care. Winning season has officially returned. And with NFL Preseason Live, there are plenty of opportunities to win at MyBookie. Whether you're a season better or a first-timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks To claim your bonus, sign up and use promo code ZABE on your first deposit, and you'll instantly double your money with MyBookie. It's simple. 250 puts $500 in your account, and you can use your funds to bet on as many individual games, contests, or props as you want. Bet on team win totals. Predict the Super Bowl winner. Use the MyBookie Prop Builder to give yourself the edge you need to secure the bag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, let's talk about baseball and the rule changes. MLB announced they were going to implement a pitch clock next year that I think is going to have a batter component in which you can't step out of the box with nine seconds left on the pitch clock. A larger first base, the double first base to avoid collisions and injuries at first, that's a no-brainer. And rules against the shift. I am fine, excuse me, I am fine with these rules changes because baseball is a game that has slavishly stuck to their precious rules for probably way too long. Here's one of my sayings. The rules can be anything you want them to be in sports. There is a notion among sports fans and pundits like, ah, you can't... You can't change that rule. Why not? It's been a rule for forever. Okay, so here's what's happening. We should change the rule. 
no, that's ridiculous. Instead of changing that rule, do something else, X, Y, or Z. Well, maybe the rule change is the best thing to do, the most sensible thing to do. The NFL, they have changed their rules more than probably any other league. And they're on top right now. They have not been slavishly beholden to, oh, we've always done it this way, so we're not going to change. Baseball is different. And for those that are lamenting, well, this shift rule stuff is complete bullcrap because hitters, they, they need to learn how to hit it to where the fielders aren't. Okay, fine. I believe that to a large extent myself until I read an article on ESPN and it was titled Why Beating the Shift Isn't As Easy As It Sounds. And one of their best writers, I forget who it was, went and talked to about four or five of the best hitters in baseball. This was about five years ago. And the hitters explained it in their own words. And it was eye-opening. They talked about everything from, yeah, with velocities up, spin rates up, it's getting really, really hard to just plink the ball to an open side of the field, as people would think. Secondly, they talked about how, hey, the game has changed, where just getting on first does you no good for the most part. All the hitters said, my bottom line when I come to the plate is I've got to find a way to be standing on second or to come or to hit a home run every time out because here's what happens if I just hit a single. And they laid it all out. And I was like, God damn, that is a compelling case for why there is no old school bootstrap remedy for the shift to tell hitters, well, you should just learn to hit it where they aren't because the game has been changed. And by, you know, being changed, I kind of mean that baseball has been hacked in a way. Remember baseball being the agrarian sport that it began as with farm boys, the ancient game from Abner Doubleday. Abner Doubleday did not have computer databases with charts of hitters dispersion patterns over the last 200, 400, 600, every at bat he's ever taken in every park. And then they couldn't break it down by pitch count. And then they couldn't break it down by temperature. And they couldn't break, I mean, or by lefty versus righty. There's a million ways you can now slice and dice the data. And we're getting more and more data all the time with things like spin rate, exit velocity, launch angles, etc. They should ban the data. You can't ban the data. The data is coming in and the data has shown a way in which the strategies that used to be employed in baseball are in a lot of ways obsolete. They've run the numbers. The nerds have run the numbers. Don't blame the nerds. They just ran the numbers and they figured out this is a sucker's way to play the game. Here's a better way to play it. But baseball worked with the old rules back when you truly did not know where Hannes Wagner was going to hit the ball. You had to disperse your fielders evenly across the field. So a rule now with limitations on where you can move guys to me, makes perfect sense, but not to everybody. It's similar to basketball. Basketball got hacked by the data because of the three-point shot. When they invented the three-point shot, the ABA had it first way back in the 60s, early 70s, and then it migrated to the NBA and then colleges adopted it. Early on, the NBA three-point shot, if you go back and look at, at players and their shooting totals, they rarely shot it. And then it started to ramp up. 
uh, from the late 80s. Like in the in the 80s, you go look at the NBA Finals of the 80s with the Lakers and the Celtics. Go look at the box scores of those games and you will be shocked. I tell you, shocked at how few three-pointers were attempted. And now, of course, that's all any team does. They just jack up threes. It's like a, a game of full-court pop-a-shot. But the reason that, you know, not everyone took a lot of threes back then was it was a lower percentage shot. Guys had not grown up practicing to shoot in form with good fundamentals from 23 feet, nine inches. But guess what? Once that line went down and once it came to the college game at a shorter distance, 19-9, then later 21-7 or whatever the number is, and it got put down in high schools as well, well, now you've got a generation of kids that are growing up learning to shoot that shot. And then to add some more gasoline to the fire, you get shooters like Steph Curry inspiring whole new generations of players to shoot threes with perfect form from distance like what? Is this shot hard? It's long, but it's not hard because I've got perfect form. And then you have the influence of European players, seven-footers who watch the NBA internationally and they love the game, and they say to themselves, well, I'm a big man, but why shouldn't I be able to shoot threes? I'm going to go practice that when I'm also practicing my post moves and rebounding everything else. So they learn to shoot threes. So now all of a sudden you've got a shot that more people can hit with a higher percentage, more players on the court shoot, and there's no downside to it. Of course teams are going to orient their strategy towards shooting more of the shots that count for an extra point than they would twos. And so the two in the NBA and the two in college has become more and more accidental or more and more like a transition bucket, a layup or a dunk, than it has become something that you work for. How do you change that? I don't know if you can. In basketball, you could try to make the line even further out, but then you would eliminate the corner three. Oh yeah, and they the nerds have also figured out the corner three is the highest percentage three. That's the golden, juicy, meaty nugget of the game. Go get the corner three. You can move the line out. Eh. I have said, and people have laughed at me, but many of my ideas are laughed at. No, this is not the four-point shot, by the way. I have said you could, with modern technology, and it would feel like a gimmick. I know. Dr. Naismith, you're going to roll in your grave when I say this. You could, in theory, have a three-point line that lights up when it's activated like a video game. I kid you not. Maybe it's for the last five minutes of every quarter. Maybe the three-point line lights up when a team registers three consecutive defensive stops. That's one way to make it different and spicy and perhaps keep teams from just relying on shooting threes. But again, the rules can be anything you want. I think the rules in baseball, the changes are long overdue, and I think they will be eventually accepted as well as the runner on second in the 10th inning has been accepted. Of course, yesterday I talked about how I hate the rule change in the NFL about double possessions in overtime and the shorter overtime period that's led to more ties. That's the one I hate because ties are a scourge on our sports landscape. All right, let me finish with something non-sports today. 9-11 was Sunday, 
And I took some time to reflect, think about that day now 21 years ago. And I even watched some remastered video footage and images of the two planes hitting the the World Trade Center towers. It's such a jarring thing to watch again 21 years later because it brings me back to that time 21 years ago at a much different time in my life when my uh, second child had yet to be born and my first child was just an infant. And I just, as I watch the video clips, I remember what an unbelievable crystalline blue September sky it was on the East Coast that day. It was one of the most beautiful, magnificent days that was then injected with sheer horror and shock. And holy fuck, how did they do that? These scumbag criminals, terrorists. Well, it turns out we found out later that we were asleep at the wheel. And so every time I see those images from 9-11 and I think about what happened, I can't help but think about how fucking asleep our country was. How nonchalant the agencies that are supposed to be safeguarding Americans were. And it was sort of the early tentacles of how political correctness ends up being lethal. They let Mohammed Atta, with a very limited American citizenship profile, in fact, I don't even think he was a citizen, they let him take classes on how to fly a commercial fucking jetliner. I'm sorry. This after the previous World Trade Center attack, with all the other intelligence that our government supposedly has, has and is keeping on foreign entities and terrorists that want to do us harm, this didn't raise any red flags. Like, as soon as he showed up that day, and you're like, oh, Mr. Atta, nice to meet you. Oh, you're curious into learning how to fly. Uh, would you like to learn how to fly a Piper Cub today? What? No? No, a commercial jet line. Oh, okay. Oh, you want to learn how to turn off the transponder? Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a switch under here. How in the fuck? Did that happen? Makes me very angry. Very sad, very angry 21 years later. I also saw a photograph of our dear leaders, including Bill Clinton and Hillary and the Obamas and uh, Biden and his wife. No Trump or Melania in there. (laughs) Wonder why that was. But they were there at 9-11 at the, uh, you know, which, by the way, is another, <laughs> don't get me started on this. It's such bullshit. You know, either he was a duly elected past president or not. But obviously the untrumping, the systematic erasure of him by the left in power right now is going at full force. And the Republicans are just too much of pussies to even raise a voice or lift a finger to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Whatever you say about him. Motherfucker was president. So if you're going to have a memorial, yeah, he's going to be there. I don't give a shit how many people protest. I don't give a shit what you say. We're going to do this. Anyway, of course, the Bush, I don't think the Bushes were there, at least not in this photo. So the photo of those six 
had them standing somberly on 9-11 wearing masks outdoors. All of them quadruple vaxxed, no doubt. Not that that's going to help them. Studies coming out saying that the vax now goes to negative. It goes to negative after five months. <laughs> after five months of your latest shot, you're going to have a slightly higher risk of getting COVID if you get vaccinated. That's not my opinion. That's not conspiracy. That is now being sussed out by reputable medical research organizations. Quadruple vaxxed outdoors, engaging in all other activities, these leaders without masks, and yet they have to appear with masks in New York City. Why? Is it a city requirement? Maybe it was. But I think to myself, no, these politicians know as long as they keep wearing masks, they can keep this grift going just a bit more. Keep Don't let the pandemic ever fully die because when it goes back to just fully normal, they don't have the ability to go, ah, we need to print a bunch of money for this or that or whatever. And then quietly under the table, slosh it around to their connected friends and allies. Either that, or they are absolute hypochondriacs or they're virulently anti-science. Either way, all three of those are bad options. And it, Disgusts me and disheartens me to see that. But these are the days and the age we are living in. Now, all right, I should end on something that's positive and upbeat. Let me just scroll through here and see if I find something that is positive and upbeat. Well, I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of stuff in here today that was like, God, can you fucking believe this is going on right now? <laughs> anyway, we'll find something positive to end on next time. The positive is, fuck them all. Let's go live our best lives. Control what we can. Make sure we're informed as to the bullshit that's going on and do our best to both navigate around it, through it, and to band together everybody with those members of hashtag Team Reality who at times feel like we are the chased rebels into the hinterlands of society. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and we will see you next time.
winning season has officially returned. And with NFL Preseason Live, there are plenty of opportunities to win at MyBookie. Whether you're a season better or a first-timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks. To claim your bonus, sign up and use promo code ZABE on your first deposit, and you'll instantly double your money with MyBookie. It's simple. 250 puts $500 in your account, and you can use your funds to bet on as many individual games, contests, or props as you want. Bet on team win totals. Predict the Super Bowl winner. Use the MyBookie Prop Builder to give yourself the edge you need to secure the bag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.